Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Watching Men. My name's Carl. And I'm Mark. And, well, Mark, you survived. You survived your trip to London and me trying to alcohol poison you. <laughs> I was actually fine in the event. It's, I remember going to a pub afterwards. We there went to two darts. afterwards. Ah, okay. Ah, yes. <laughs> I remember the darts, or darts, as you say it properly. And after that, it all got a bit hazy. I remember walking home because I think Tony and I had a slight disagreement on what way to go. But why would I trust a man who likes Ghostbusters? And I just remember thinking to myself when I got back to the hotel, I've just walked through Enfield with my phone out attached to a power pack. I couldn't have said mug me anymore if I tried. No, and you, I, where you were staying, that's quite close to one of the trouble estates. So well done making it back to the hotel in one piece. Oh, cheers, man. I, I was wondering when we got on the bus, I'm thinking it's not that far to walk. You know, take us about 10 minutes. And now I've seen what I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I'm all for public transport all of a sudden. <laughs> told you. Told you. Anyway, anyway. But we've got to, we've got to give a mention out, though, to your rather good video, because I am genuinely impressed and slightly hacked off at your newfound video creation skills. I've been doing that for years. We're talking about well, it's like I'm, as I said to you on the on the pre-show that we don't record. So I don't know why I caught the pre-show. I'm I've been sweating my danglers off trying to do an eight-minute review, and so far I think I'm into week four and about a hundred pictures. Oh my god! What on earth are you doing? I'm only reviewing Smarty Mobile, which is unlimited internet for twenty pounds a month. You see the referral link in the show notes. But okay, right, well, I. I, I, I well, what's the review? Does it work? If it works, done. Well, yes. It's, so it was supposed to be like a little bit funny, a few video clips here and there. I I did things properly for once, Carl. I wrote I, a script. I very much doubt that. I wrote a script. I then rewrote a script. I then recorded the script, did some ad lib, took out all the ad lib, re-recorded the script. It went fine. I leveled off all the audio. I used a proper microphone like I'm using today, supplied by you. Everything was good. And then I had to try and find the video to go with my oh-so-funny dialogue. And then I realized, yeah, maybe comedianism is, is, isn't my strong point. <laughs> I don't know make a rod for your own back. I don't know. But th this is going to be the most epic eight minutes because I should give up because the, the thing with this review was that nobody else was doing unlimited internet for £20 a month. So when I start recording it, it was only Smarty doing it. Everyone else and I recorded, I did a load of slides about price comparisons and other websites. I did some actual proper work. Came back to it a week later and now everyone in it, you know, Uncle Tom and Uncle Cobbley are doing £20 <laughs> unlimited internet. So it's one of those things that I'm just going to have to finish off now just to get the experience. Yes. Oh, well. Well, we're not, we're not doing a show about tech or, or, or internet connectivity, thank God. We're doing a show about movies and, and whatnot well and don't forget and i know you've been following this close oh my god did you see the return of jake the snake roberts coming down to see cody rhodes the other wednesday it was the guy has not lost the ability to do a promo and when he turned his back on Co well sorry when he was doing his promo he said i've learned one thing in wrestling never turn your back on someone you don't trust or or you fear and then he turns his back on Cody, throws the microphone out of the ring, and walks down a ramp. It was absolutely epic. 
So we're continuing our James Bond look at things. One day. One, One day. day. I thought Jake the Snake was dead, to tell you the truth. But no, okay, well, he's, he, he should be because he's he, he led a very celebratory life. No, no we're not going down that route. It's not a wrestling show either. <laughs> Oh, you see, you hear that listeners, he's getting sucked in. No, it's it's been building in. But we're going to return to Bond, James Bond. Because I'm going to finish this darn list if it kills me. So I want to wrap this up today. I've got notes as well. No, well, we'll I'm waiting to see what they are then, because I'm I'm on tender hooks. Right, let me kick it off then. For your eyes only. Yep. When a British ship is sunk in foreign waters... Don't do the plot! We don't... <laughs> no, this isn't the plot. This is off the back of the DVD. So you basically just copied, went onto Amazon and copied the back no, of the DVD? No, 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 no. The synopsis. Not all of it. No, not all of it. I just, I thought I'd do a couple because I wanted to see how they wrote things back in the day. And this goes, the world's superpowers begin a feverish race to find its cargo a nuclear submarine control system, and 007, Roger Moore, is thrust into one of his most riveting adventures <laughs> as he rushes to join the search and prevent global devastation. Yeah, and that's pretty much the plot. I'm f- <laughs> well, I just thought it was funny, the word thrust, riveting, and Roger Moore all in the same sentence. Well, this, this is an interesting one, only because the previous one had been up in space. They'd gone totally mad with their idea of what James Bond should be. James Bond is not a spaceman, no matter what they try. So it was all lasers and stuff. And so on this one, they had to bring it back to Earth. They wanted to bring it back to the Sean Connery days where James Bond was a little bit, you know, a little bit on the edge. He was a little bit dodgy. And this is probably the the fiercest Roger Moore is as this character ever. I mean, he's got one scene on top of a cliff where he kicks an assassin's in the car, dangling on the edge of the cliff, and he just throws the pin in because he found it on someone this assassin had killed earlier on, and he just boots the car off the cliff. Totally old-style James Bond. It's fantastic. And if you're going to bring things back down to earth, what better place than to sort of go from space to deep water? No, no middle ground, no mucking around from one extreme to the other. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, it was, it, what else is in this one? It was, oh, this one had, mind you, they say they wanted to bring it back down to earth, but then they put in the most outlandish opening of this, of this film. And it is the one where a Blofeld type character is controlling james bond's helicopter with a remote control and eventually bond climbs out the helicopter into the pilot seat yanks the remote controls off the the helicopter takes control scoots down picks up the bad guy who looks like ernest blofeld but isn't because they can't name him because there's legal reasons why they can't name him scoops him up (laughs) flies him around a little bit as he's going no no mr bond we can make a deal and then he drops him into a chimney stack <laughs> but other than that, it's the most realistic James Bond there is. The, the whole dropping people into things is going to become a recurrent theme as the <laughs> film goes along, as well, isn't it? It is. So it's weird. And the re- reason they shot that is because um, they thought they might have to find a, a new James Bond uh, at this. At this one, he was. He was like. He was on the skids at this point, Roger Moore. He, he'd like done his contract, and now he was on a per-bond film. So they conceived of this opening, thinking that they might have someone new to, to take over. 
and he was starting to look a little bit tired. I think we, because the next film, Octopussy, as you said, he was nearing the end of his reign, and he does look a little bit worn out. I think the, <laughs> we, we're reaching the the part here where the because because it's fair to say that the Bond actors are sort of like being aging, haven't they? At this point, aging. Yeah. What What do you mean? I, I don't remember him being. I think we were reaching sort of like that sort of early. 40s sort of oh so yes he, he was definitely getting on in the age character, yeah yeah but this see Oct- octopusy again they they when it came to octopusy they definitely thought that roger moore was not coming back and so they started looking around for alternative actors and um one of them was actually timothy dalton that they suggested <laughs> which is kind of weird because he was going to come back fairly shortly in a few few um movie's time but also they they screen tested james brolin in the role of bond did you know this i probably read it on the wikipedia but i don't have it in my notes but i do have a lot of notes if you watch i think it's on the dvd special features there's a screen test of brolin um with the the tennis guy uh, and uh just going through a scene but fortunately well, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, Sean Connery got into bed with the Never Say Never Again movie, which was coming out, which was the guy who had wrote Thunderball with Ian Fleming, and he'd retained the rights to produce his own James Bond film at a later date, and it took him all this time to actually produce it. So on this same year that Octopussy came out, we also got the sort of weird Never Say Never Again which is basically a modern-day telling of Thunderball. And because they got Sean Connery, people, the, the, the directors, the producers of James Bond, thought they had to get Roger Moore back into this role one more time, so they thought, because to offset the possibility that the Sean Connery, never say never again, would trounce Octopussy. As it turns out, they had nothing to worry about. It completely bombed never say never again. It wasn't until I started doing my research that I actually remembered never say never again it, <laughs> it was it had completely gone off the radar what did we think of roger moore's tenure as bond do, do you think it was a, a good place for him to end because mm. wasn't this the film where they were thinking about doing like a reboot you know going younger and more edgier hence the the next film that's coming up yeah well that was that was the plan but like i say because of the sean connery incident they had to like go back because this is why they were screen testing James Brolin and a few other people. But because they saw that rival film coming along, they thought, well, we need to get the audience back on board and they know Roger Moore, so we'll offer him the job and pay him a sum of money and he'll come back and do it. This also paved, paved the way for Wonder Woman, didn't it? Because if I remember correctly, there's an island that's populated by only women. What? Oh yes, an octopus. Yes, that's right. I was wondering where you was going uh, with you that. You see, I told you I'd done my research this time around. <laughs> yes, it's not quite the same. There's no veil of secrecy around this island that people have to push through anyway. But yes, it was. Um, it was a fantastic. Maud Adams mythical played cloak Oct- of woke. <laughs> Maud Adams played Octopussy in this one, and she'd already been in a James Bond film. She'd been in uh, Man with Golden Gun, I believe. I thought it was, oh, who's the woman that's normally sings Kinky Boots? Sorry? Oh. Isn't that something Sinatra? I forgot. No, no, no. no. Um, oh, blonde. 
Where's type PVC? I'm really not selling this character. Here. I have no idea who you're talking about. Oh no, about. I'm getting. I think I'm getting. Ah no, I'm confused between octopusy pussy galore. That was back in Goldfinger days. <laughs> I can't believe I've just said those two words on a podcast. Normally, I don't give two hoots. <laughs> what a bloody hell? Um, anyway, so this this film in particular, there's a fantastic set piece in this one uh, on the train where he's got to catch up with the train because the train's got a, a, a nuclear bomb on it that's been head pushed into West Germany. Back in the day where we had West and East Germany, it was ooh, a bit a bit risky. So it was going through Checkpoint Charlie or the equivalent of the railroads, whatever that that was. And uh, there is a fantastic chase on 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 the train and uh, and then subsequently a car um to get to this this circus that's going on in this u.s air force base and it's quite exciting even you know i even watch it now and it's still like a really good modern day action set piece this is the one where you've got the voodoo guy on the front of the train laughing at the final scene is it no this I is, that's live and let up. die how do you remember all this stuff? Because I've seen the films. You yeah, are well, so have I, but it doesn't mean I have all the recollection of it. But why, why, least, uh, what's, why are you doing a movie podcast then? Hey, I, it was not my idea to throw Captain Knowledge here into I, the deep end of reciting Bond. Well, One of us is to blame here, my friend. I did say to you, do you like TV and movies and stuff? Do you watch a lot? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. we need to do this show. I think I need, re- <laughs> I need to read. I need to recast, maybe. God, I've heard that one before. <laughs> oh, one day I, I will reveal my time that I was actually on national radio. No, we've heard. You've already done that. What? When I was on national radio, have I given that one away? Yes, one of our first. Oh, hang on, it might have been one of the the shows we didn't release. There uh, might be just see, the Patreon uh, people. Oh, you know what we can do? We. I tell you what we'll do. If we get a hundred subscribers, I will. Give my national radio reveal. Well, there you go. That's that means we'll never get a hundred subscribers now. So it's, it's what they do on YouTube. I've seen. <laughs> if you if you give him a thousand likes, they do something stupid. Anyway, yeah. a view to a kill. Would you like to know a fact about this? Yes, please. David Bowie was originally lined up That's to right. play the ma- villainous Max Zorin. He was, and as a Brucey bonus, it was Dolph Lundgren's first ever appearance on the screen. That's it, because he was going out with Grace Jones at the time, and they had a scene, and he was he'd come to have dinner with her or something like that, and the guy said, "Oh, do you want to just be in the background?" And it was um, one of General Gogo's Google's henchmen sitting in the background. I also learned today that apparently Grace Jones is going to have a very very small cameo on the No Time to Die, but when she saw just how small her screen time was going to be, <laughs> she did a bit of a strop. Really? Because that's not like her. Apparently, she had massive strops on this film as well. Uh, there were stories at the time of uh, Roger Moore being upset by how how loud she was playing her stereo between takes and things like this. It didn't get on, even though they had to do a bed scene and stuff like this in it. Apparently, they hated each other. <laughs> Speaking of the bed, the, the bed scene, I think this is one of the first times I remember seeing a censored movie on ITV in the afternoon. Because you know in the, in the bed scene, she turns around, and if you're watching it on the late-night channels, not those sort of late-night channels, but late-night movie sort of thing, you get to see Land of Hope and Glory, shall we say. But then on the Sunday afternoon, it's when I learnt the power of editing because they cut that bit out, and it was like, oh, and I remember that because it's one of the first times I sort of had that realisation about 
what a movie is at certain times of the day. And then I think one day I saw Aliens on it, something like 6pm in the afternoon. And, I, I, and that made me into the bitter, cynical man that I am today. I don't, I don't think that, I think that's the, how they cut it. No, no, no. There's a, the, the, the original sort of after, after Watershed, that's the word I was looking for version. You get to see Twin Peaks. I don't. I doubt it. Some. Well, I very much doubt it because it was rating. So um, you're not allowed well, to show. Well, viewers, if you'd like to prove Carl or Mark right, Carl yeah. or me right, Carl or Mark third person now, <laughs> you can get in contact with us at watching underscore men on Twitter. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So this. <laughs> See that? I seamless this. I've been practicing them the last couple of weeks we've been ill. But do you know that uh, this movie always sticks with me because um we weren't when we were, when I was young, we didn't have much money. So we went to Spain, which was a big holiday for us, but we couldn't afford to fly there. So we went on a coach. Right, the nightmare coach from hell. We had a crash uh, en route yeah. to the Hang on, right? And as we're watching it, one of the, they they had like <laughs> they had a videotape system which showed on every little screen in the back. It was like amazing at the time. I was like, I was well impressed that you could watch TV on a coach driving through Spain. And one of the films out of three they had on board was A Few to a Kill. So we watched it twice on that trip because it took forever to get to bloody Spain. Um, and, and it's why it's always stuck with me watching when it comes to watching this film. And I can't watch it without now thinking of this this coach trip to and from Spain. I've got a similar story. I, too, had to endure the coach trip to Spain. And again, like you, it was like, oh, my God, they've got tellies on a bus. <laughs> but we're in, the, we're in the, was it, the 90s now, thinking, blimmin' heck, this is good. So name a film that you would think would be suitable for a coach family. Just general. Pick one off the top of your head. Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> Not quite. The Exorcist. Nope. You're, you're in the right sort of area. We had Lethal Weapon. Well, that's and a... you know how that... Well, no, there's quite a lot of... F- this wasn't the cut version. Oh, okay. This was the full-on effing and jeffing version. <laughs> if I you was on the coach seen... trip to Spain, I can guarantee there's some effing and jeffing on that trip anyway. So. Oh, no, this was like with all the old biddies and the fish paste sandwiches. Oh, can you know. still get fish paste? Yes. Yes, you oh, can. I'm going to go panic by fish paste. That's not going to run out with this coronavirus. No, it, did. it, was, a, it was an interesting film. It, it stuck me for that reason. And uh, mind you, he was now really, really showing his age. I mean, it was still bedding these like gorgeous women and stuff. But you thought, how? How are you doing this? It, it, you could almost hear him creak as he started to move. And the sl- stunts were not that fast. Um, he had a good uh, uh, chase through Paris at the start of it. Um, but even then, he starts off on the top of the Eiffel Tower and he has to run down some of the stairs of the Eiffel Tower. And he just looks old now as he's like like trying to limp down these stairs. And it's, it doesn't look good. And it's not playing very well. So it looked like it was time for a change. And then we got... Timothy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like you don't like Tim. No, no really. I thought it was it was fellow Welshman. Oh, he's not Welshman. Is he? I thought he, he was. Just, he just said the word "but" or "where to you at once." You can't go into a film and oh no, no, no. I thought this was no. If we're yeah, we're in the eighties now, aren't we? And I think this is one of the most sort. Of, he is Welsh. What are you talking about? I just looked it up. Oh, yeah, because you believe everything you read on the internet. (laughs) Has he said, where to you from, but? Well, I don't know. I don't know him personally, do I? 
Well, not exactly. So he's not proper Welsh then. So hang on. So that means there's no people in Welsh, in Wales, sorry, that if I've not met them and they've said that, there's no one there. Have you ever been to the valleys when people are here? They're not quite all together here. I, I've got family in Wales, actually. Oh, where to the Abbot? Abergafini or something like that. Ab- oh, no, you see, that's Little England Wales, is that? <laughs> Abergafini, man. That's it. That's Oh, yeah, Abergafini, which is right on the road from, what's it, uh, Cardiff to Birmingham. That I lovely don't know. Welsh tourist Wales hotspot. is Wales to me. I'm from London. I mean, anything outside the M25, and it's like outside of London. That's all I know. Oh, tell me about it. That lovely, lovely stretch off the M25 going past. Get on with it. Speed limit. <laughs> uh, right, I've got more facts. Would you like to? Know, would you like to know my? God, yes, please. Facts? I can't believe I'm saying that as well. Timothy Dalton only starred his two appearances of James Bond. <laughs> Don't knock the material, my friend. I spent time on this. Okay, jumped this ahead a bit there, but okay. No. Yes. He only appeared in Bond twice. I know, but you're oh, already oh, sorry, doing it on number everybody. one. Spoilers. Spoiler alert for like five minutes time. Yes. Uh, And as I said, this was supposed to be a bit of a restart to the Bond franchise, which was taken up in a later on film. But did you know that Christopher (laughs) Reeve turned down a million dollar offer by Mr. Broccoli to play Bond? Had he accepted, he would have been the only American to play the role. Christopher Reeve Superman? Yep. Well, that's a new one on me. I never knew that. Yes, see, see, I, I knew of my research. I knew originally they were going to offer it to Pierce Brosnan, but because he just like they'd finished Remington Steel, which was a show he was on in the States, didn't really come up. He came over here eventually, but it wasn't big or anything. But, um, but he, he even though it finished, they still had a, a clause in his contract where if they decided that they would do another series, he'd have to come back and do it. And what happened is all these rumours started to circulate about uh, Piers Brosnan was going to be the next James Bond. That it created, um, it created a buzz around Remington Steel. And so Remington Steel got renewed. And as soon as he got renewed, they like in, uh, instigated their contract recall and he had to come back to the show. And as soon as he went back to the show, Broccoli, um, the producer, said, well, that's it, Remington Steel is not going to be James Bond. So it completely screwed him up so he couldn't be James Bond at a much younger age than when he actually did, finally did. Didn't they make the fuzz away? Victor Ky- Why is Remington still reminding me of Victor Kayam? Because <laughs> it's Remington. <laughs> like it, I bought the company. That's the one. Yeah. See, I'm, like, I'm segueing like a boss tonight. <laughs> I can't remember much about the film, but at least my segue is good. <laughs> But no, so he did come back. So they started fresh with a much younger Bond and a much more on the edge kind of Bond. He he didn't. He wasn't so much about the gadgets. There was a, a still a great car in this one as well. They'd gone back to the Austin Martin or Aston Martin. I always get say it the wrong way. Um, and so it was a bit ke- uh, decked out and stuff like this. But the overall story was quite simplistic. It was like back to the spy thriller days, and there was a Russian agent who looked like he was defecting, but he wasn't really defecting. It was it was all a nightmare. Um, but it, it worked really well. Um, for the most part, I'm not sure how critically well it was received, because you don't often hear about the Timothy Dalton days. And I like the second one more than I like the first one, which we'll get to in a minute. But he did bring a, a different kind of edge bond and some people love it and some people don't you know don't really think that much of it unfortunately so but he did it was certainly a different change from the roger moore roger moore days of 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 bond and 
a bit harder as well. I thought it's very. It was straying into eighties, nineties sort of loud machine guns and quite mm. heavy sort of. I think it wanted to be a bit more of an action franchise at pieces with Timothy Timothy Dalton. It was a little bit sort of shooty outy at places for me. Yeah, I mean, well, when did this come out? So, nineteen eighty-seven. So now we're in the area where action films were all the rage. Like we in the eighties, where where you know you start getting Rambo come out and you start getting uh, Schwarzenegger films come out, and so that's what they were now having to compete with, and that's even more so on his second outing, which was Licensed to Kill. I mean, this this one earned them uh, until recently uh, not quite. They, this one earned them what's it a PG thirteen or or an A rate. Uh, an A rating because everything had been like child friendly or family friendly up until this, but because of the violence in License to Kill, where where <laughs> some poor sod gets chopped up in a some sort of mi- mixing uh, mincing uh, uh, contraption, and and he gets covered in blood as well at, at one point towards the end, so they had to up the uh, certificate rating, and it's. Qu- in fact, License to Kill is a really a good departure from James Bond because he's no longer taking on this maniacal um, uh, people who want to overtake the world with with laser beams on their heads of the sharks and stuff like this. He's just up against a drug, a drug baron, and uh, he has to compete. And it's more about revenge because they 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 hurt like Felix Leiter at the start, which is um, leftover storyline from the original Lice, uh, uh, Living Daylights. Which happened in the book because they fed, they fed him to sharks or alligators or something, and this one they feed him to sharks, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's great, and and it's had a very young Del Toro in it as well, Benicio Del Toro. I think this is his first film. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but but he was quite menacing in this one, and he was quite a good henchman. What did you think is Dalton being the actor? Because I. Don't know. He just didn't seem. Could maybe we'd had you know we'd had Sean Connery, we'd had Roger Moore for in those roles for so long. Do you think he fitted in that role? And it it, it was almost like destiny. It was going to be a struggle for him to fit in because you've had these characters for such a long time. You've got a fresh new face. What was your take on his Bond? Basically, I don't. I don't think any actor. As long as they're as as long as you get the as long as you get the um the stories down the storylines down packed. I don't really think it matters who plays Bond, other than you have to be like look suave and sophisticated. You have to do like the 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 Bond, James Bond. You have to pull that line off somehow. You have to look good in a tuxedo, and 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 this is what worries me about sometimes in this woke time that we're now living in. They 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 tinker with. I heard a very good. I heard a really good explanation about this this nonsense that's going on in films at the moment, where they're taking established franchises and changing them so much, and then complaining to the audience. You know, the the producers and stuff are slagging off the audiences because the audience is not reacting how they want. And it was a it was a comparison of imagine a steakhouse and you go into a steakhouse. I you know the this, one you mean. I you've been going to this video. steakhouse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, it's not mine. It's from a youtube channel you go to a steakhouse began there for years and years and years okay you bought they serve the best steak in town it's great then one day the owner gets in a whole new load of chefs and they're all culinary chefs and they now say you go into this you go into your favorite restaurant and you say oh yes can i have one of your wonderful steaks that i've enjoyed so many times up until this point and they go yes sir absolutely go away i bring you back a fish <laughs> 
and they say, I didn't order a fish, I ordered a steak. Yeah, yeah, but we, we've decided that this is now the thing that's really good for you and you're going to like it. Well, I don't like fish, thank you very much. I want steak. No, no, have to fish. It's much better for you. Well, no, I'm, gonna have, I'm not going to pay for this. I'm just going to leave. And then they, as you leave, they call you all the names under the sun. They call you like Nazi, misogynistic, racist, whatever. You say, but I didn't want that. <laughs> you just served me something. And so like the rumor that they do this to everybody who used to go in the steakhouse, eventually the new, the old clientele leaves the steakhouse, but no new clientele come in for, for this new weird fish thing. And so this company goes out of business eventually because they're not giving the customer what they want, what they're paying for. And that is exactly what we're kind of going through at the moment with this whole woke nonsense that's going on with a lot of big franchises. And I've got nothing against doing a woke film. You can come up with a brand new film, a brand new film, and put whatever else you want, all the lessons you want into it. Just stuff them in there. I don't care. What you cannot do is take established movies and, and tropes and everything that have been around for for decades and you are just minding the store at this point it's your turn to mind the store and you cannot change them irre- irrevocably irre- oh, irrevocably <laughs> to something else and expect the old audience just to go along with it the old audience has the right because they paid their money to say that's not what we want we're going somewhere else and it's no good calling them names because they're not entitled because they want, they're asking for what they want. You're entitled, the producers are entitled because they're the ones trying to change something that everybody else f- fell in love with. And if you want to attract a new audience, that's fine. Go and do it somewhere else with something else. That's all. And I thought that was a really good analogy. Yeah, and they did go on to say that there's nothing wrong with new franchises, no, new films, none. new ideas. And that, that's the whole point. You know, it's, sometimes you want to go, it, 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 like, the analogy is perfect. Sometimes you want a steak, you want a steak. <laughs> it's just an absolutely perfect analogy. Exactly. Anyway, I, so, do you want me, go on. I've got my two facts. For what? For, for License to Kill? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Released in 1989, License to Kill was the last bomb to see 007 smoking a cigarette. That's true. Yes. There was a big deal and, about that at the time. Was it? Yeah, oh, well, because it was like they were trying to outlaw smoking in in high uh, in in pop culture. So, because because children are watching it and going, "Oh, he looks cool. I'm going to have a cigarette." And yeah, whatever. Yeah, I never did John Wayne any harm. So there we go. Back then, that was what PC was back then. I mean, you know, kind of makes sense, I guess. But but yeah, he stopped. He's not smoking. And in Live and Let Die, 1973, Bond communicated with a lighter through a phone in a car. Sorry, with liter through a phone in a car cigarette lighter, aka a Felix lighter. Yep. In this film, lighter gives Bond the lighter as a gift, and he uses that to kill Sanchez. I think yeah, it's more of an Easter egg. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, he because he, he's covered in fuel, and he lights he lights him with his lighter. Yes, wow. Which then, so we've got. Yeah, no, Tim, I think Timothy Dalton sort of struck me because it was you. You were used to, I was used to settled characters. You knew what you were getting. Yeah, they changed it, but you're right. I don't mind the change, but I just never. It just never seemed to resonate it. But then I get conflicted because we move on to 1995. So we've had six years, and mm. I haven't unfortunately. I, I, do you know when was View to View to Kill released? I haven't got the date written down. Future Kill was not uh, future. 
A Few to a Kill. That was yeah. 1985. So 1985, View to a Kill, then 1987. So that's a two-year break. Yep. Then we get the film the next year. Then we get a whopping great big six-year break before the best N64 game was ever released, Goldeneye. <laughs> What are we talking about? Yeah, oh yes, I never, a, I never, pl- I've never played that game. Nor, nor have I. I've just watched people do the speedrunners and then be outraged yeah. by you. Oh, he cheated and all that sort of stuff. And I, it, it took a time to get used to it because obviously Bond had been out of the, uh, been out in the woods for a while. As you said, we are, we're we're now used to the commandos, the Schwarzeneggers, uh, a bit of the diehards and all that sort of stuff. So to bring almost a thinking spy back into the game was a bit different but i think the premise was good i think it was what is is one of the films where they didn't have well tomorrow never dies that's just a pun fest and i quite enjoyed this yeah golden Eye, they so what what happened it went, went away for a number of years because they had started coming out because again it was just the pc age that the one i lived through when i was young and it was full <clears throat> James Bond was a misogynist. And so they had to try and address this in the then modern age. And so this is why um, M became slightly being played by Judy Dench. Fantastic, fantastic, off, that is fantastic casting. I can't fault that casting whatsoever. But now we started to have um, powerful women, you know, like the assassin in this one, whose name totally escapes me at the moment. Oh, Femme. Femke Jansen, who went on to play from the X-Men. Jean Grey from the X-Men. Um, and, and it started to... And you can see it. They started not to be, oh, James, oh, James, oh, James. Although there's still some of that in this thing because the whole point of a James Bond film is to have James Bond the hero. It's no good having James Bond the hero and then everybody else starts saving him. That would be wrong. <laughs> That's not the point. Just like of the what's movie. happening in Picard. Precisely, like he takes a back seat to everybody else that's going, everything else that's going around him. He's just like dawdling along in the background while other people are having conversation. Anyway, we, we'll come back to uh, Picard because I want to rip it to bits now. I'm sick of it. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so but he'd come back. Uh, it got Sean Bean in this one as another double O character, but a double O character who'd gone bad. Uh, and it was, I thought it was a really good reboot. And it was very, it looked, it, thing is, it's not aged very well. If I watch it now, it's really badly aged, um, which I didn't I, think I it would at the, the time. Same, sorry, I'm crashing all over you this evening. I was going to say the same about uh, the Timothy Dalton films. They had that, um, like a grainy sort of weird color look to them. That was, well, no, I think that's just, uh, you just saw a bad print because the new Blu-ray ones, they cleaned up lovely. I was going to say, it looks like it's got the wrong colour on there, but I would be (laughs) shooting myself in the foot if I pretended to know anything about colour No, it's it's, it's not. Um, But but yeah, I I thought I enjoyed this one, I got to say, because... I, you know, he he really did slip right into the role of James Bond. He'd done it very well. And again, they said, this is a new beginning. We're going to try and do away with all the gadgets. That lasted about a film. <laughs> they all, just as always, right? It lasts for about a film. They always say, okay, new James Bond. We're going to do away with all the gadgets. We're going to make him, we'll make him like a, a, a more, more, 
a man of his age now, as 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 things are, he recognises that the world's changed and he's not the the kind of misogynist as he used to be. So all these things are changing. Of course, this takes back uh, takes place as backdrop of the Soviet Union falling, and so there's it makes an intriguing backdrop to to the storyline um because the the wall had come down and you know it's kind of funny because in the opening sequence the wall's being dismantled all these russian uh soviet union uh symbols are being demolished by sexy women in high hills <laughs> which really annoyed the russians at the time they finally caught up to half the computer games like commanding conquer there where that's been happening for years <laughs> But anyway, it was good. It was, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed this outing, i got to say. Um, and I really enjoyed the next outing, Tomorrow Never Dies. This is Hang probably... on. I've not done my trivia. Oh, okay. Sorry. Goldeneye was the name of Fleming's house in Jamaica in which That's he right. wrote the Bond novels. That's right. The tomorrow, uh, So we're on to Tomorrow Never Dies. I've got to say, I quite like this one, apart from one or two foibles. Okay. The... <sighs> So in in this film, we know, I think this is the first time we've now got two, I think, female, not, uh, was it not um, co-hosts, co-characters? What's the phrase I'm looking for? Co-stars. Bond girls. (laughs) I was trying to be a bit woke. I wasn't going to name it. That's that's what they're called. I mean, still, as far as I'm aware, whatever. We have Terry Hatcher, who was riding on the crest of the Superman fame, and Michelle Yeoh. Mm. I like the premise of this. I, I think it suits him very well with what you and me believe in passionately about the media controlling everything. Um, the, what's his name? Jonathan Duda, who played the Sparrow. Price. In Jonathan Price. Sparrow, I think, was absolutely on point on this one. Piers Brosnan, I think he was a little bit more subdued. But the problem I have... Can I just interrupt before I forget? Do you know who was originally offered the part of Elliot Carver that Jonathan Price took? No. Anthony Hos- Hopkins. Ooh. I know. Can you just... Um, <sighs> but he declined it to go off and do Mask of Zorro. So, what a shame. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> well, but, he, but to be fair, old, old Anthony, he, he did do quite well for himself at yeah. the end. Absolutely. <laughs> I wrote the headlines with a nice Chianti. Mm. So, my, my problem with this is... We've gone from you are if you're going to have an action scene, you do one or two things: you make it plausible or you make it outlandish. You don't make the plausible outlandish, and it was the one-handed motorbike riding scene. Uh. So Bond and Waylin have been handcuffed together. Bond's got his hand on one side of the handlebars. Waylin has got a hand on the other. And, uh, the other bike control, which I believe is the clutch, if I'm correctly. And oh lord, it's just a bad scene. And you can see the actors giving it all, but even they're going, not one of you, not one of you has hit the clutch properly. And also, also if I remember correctly, this is the motorbike with infinite gears, because all you hear is yeah, but you know, changing up indefinitely. Yes, it's also the one where the <laughs> they use the helicopter to tilt it so much that its blades become a weapon as it sort of mows along this street towards them. And you're thinking, that's not how helicopters work. <laughs> and it was also you think at that angle, even as a child, you knew at that angle. 
quite moving, a bit bloody slow. It's <laughs> just suspended in midair. That's uh, dear. But uh, I do enjoy the opening of this one because he interrupts uh, um, an arms bazaar and he manages to blow up virtually everybody there by the time he escapes from it. And it, it has got a very James Bondy opening to it. It's, it's one of my favourite openings to a James Bond uh, movie. Yeah, right. That chase scene, I do enjoy it for its action orientation, but it's it's ludicrous. It's totally ludicrous, but it's good. And it's you know uh, Michelle Yeoh as well. She she was a she was a bad badass. I mean, it, people in China probably know knew of her filmography, but really she was introduced to us over here, and then went on to uh, star in such films as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, things like this. But there was rumours back then that. She was such a an important character that she was going to get her own spin-off. Now they've done this a few times. I've noticed since they know if they have a, a strong, confident female character who can do skills, they go, "Oh yeah, we're going to do a spin-off story." They've never done one ever. I've, they just use it in marketing. I'm telling you, I'm onto these people. <laughs> but it was a, so I thought I thought it was a really good thing. A nice film. I like the premise. For me, it was the special effects looked a little bit too special effecty. I think I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be any sort of clever smart ass. But even I remember watching it, thinking this it just felt wrong. Like some of the angles were just felt a bit, a little bit odd. And again, the spinning of the blades and how slow it took. I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Actually, no, what it compares to in the real world now, Speed Three. Speed Three. Yeah. The one where the boat, or is it, was there a two, three or speed? Yeah. The one where you've got the boat <laughs> crashing and crashing and yes. crashing. Yes. And yeah. it never slows down. When it's hitting the, the dock, it maintains the constant velocity. You just think, oh, dear Lord. Yeah. Actually, there's, there's um, in, in the background uh, or smaller parts in this, we have Gerard Butler, who plays uh, one of the seamen on one of the ships and also Hugh Bonneville is also playing an officer on one of the ships in this one as well. If you keep your eyes out, a little bit of trivia there for you. And it, and again, bond with Waylin, that would, that worked because there was none of this. Will they, won't they? Oh, uh, it was just two people yeah. doing a job and you got to see things. Come on. There wasn't this contrived. Well, you know, we'll stick in the will. They won't they, because that gets us, <laughs> that acts as the spoiler at the end of the show. Right. We got a, a crack- lot of flash, which I've got issues with. We got, we got to crack on a bit now because we still got to get one, two, three, four, five, six movies done, and we've only got about twenty minutes. So we need to. Don't crack you on. worry. I've got all the facts from this. Do you want me to rattle through? Uh, well, no, well, we'll just do the. Okay, go on then. Do your facts. Uh, this is Pierce Brosnan's second outing. Is zero zero seven? Why am I saying zero zero seven? Dear Lord, and ah, has no. your hang on? Did you just say no? Uh, zero zero seven one as double o seventy one. What I've done here. <laughs> Is I might have got my bookmark mixed up. <laughs> the world is not enough. 1999. This featured Robbie Coltrane, which I completely forgot about. Yep. The most ham-fisted Russian. Bond girl. That way. Put in, uh, Denise Richards was given the was given the role of a nu- nuclear technician or scientist or something. I now don't get me wrong. There were some absolutely stunning scientists and all that sort of stuff. 
I'm pretty sure if you're a nuclear technician, you ain't going to be wearing quite a tight tank top, some hot pants, and go all female empowerment. And her name was Dr. Christmas Jones as well. (sighs) A nuclear physicist, that's it. it. This was the first Bond movie to win a Razzie in the category of worst supporting actress. For the same reason. And we we lost um, Q this time around, didn't we? Q was handed the baton over to M, which was John Cleese. No, M. No, M. M is the governor. Oh, sorry. R. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to see. If I, if I start using the word R, the, the Somerset comes out then, and the, the, then the show goes down even more. It's only, it was a humorous joke. He says R as in replacement. Hey, that's just dawned on me, that. That's clever, that. What do you mean, that's just dawned <laughs> Uh, but it's 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 true. So uh, in this particular movie, um, it looks like Q's training up his his successor, which is John Cleese. So they've already looks like they've already abandoned the that we're going to make it as real as possible from now on. Now we're going to have John Cleese in it as a jokey character who's playing Q. But it's it's kind of poignant actually because on this particular one, he goes, "You're not leaving us, are you, Q?" And he goes, I've always taught you, I've taught you what, I've, I've taught you many things. So one thing I've always taught you, I, I was saying like, is never let them see you bleed. And then he lures himself down into the ground where this car had come up from. Unfortunately, Desmond Llewellyn was then killed in a car crash just a few weeks later when this film came out, or even just before this film came out, one or the other. And so it was kind of sad. And because that was all in the news everywhere when we was watching this film, that moment, looks like incredibly bad taste but also incredibly sad at the same time it's it's it was a weird it was a weird like you know it was a weird situation when that was when you were watching that scene and it sort of like rips you out of the movie obviously and you think oh oh no no weird but it's one of these choices where do you disrespect the work that he's done in the film just to sort of you just take that line out that's what i'm saying that's all i mean i don't know how how close it was to being finalized and cut before they premiered it but you just take that scene out that last bit of the scene you just take that bit out you don't you don't need it but some people say you know but it's a nice fitting tribute i i I don't know it just seems weird to me world is not enough was entertainment weekly's worst bond film of all time it's awful plots so convoluted it's absolutely awful so we've got again Somewhat, it, it, it feels like it's lost its step here. It doesn't quite want to be an action movie. It doesn't quite want to be a spy movie. It has a few sort of decent set pieces. Robbie Coltrane, which was, I think he was still doing a bit of comedy, but it obviously moved on to Cracker. Cracker I thought yeah. it was a little bit like, oh, blimey. And then you suddenly forget that he was a comedian and he settled into the role nicely. Yeah, got to agree with them. Bad film, bad Bond girl. Bad everything, mm. and it was the same because they were trying something new. Like um, at this one, like there's a twist. They had never really done a twist like this in a Bond film, and it didn't really work. But it's it's a shame because again, I'm trying to think what the opening to this one was, and I'm this is the problem. This one leaves absolutely no mark on me when I think back on it. It's it's complete nothing <laughs> i can't even remember how the opening what the opening gambit is you know it's just leaves me cold when i was looking for movie trivia golden eye tomorrow never dies the world's not enough seemed to have the most blandest trivia uh, i could research the, the the best bit i found was the world is not enough was sung by oh. garbage and peaked at the charts at number 11 i just i just read i just read 
what's the opener in this? And it's the race. And, and it's and it's. Sh- this is why. This why is yellow? one of my favorite openings, and I do not associate it with this movie because the opening is great, but the rest of the movie is terrible. And this is the where they race through London on the Thames in little power boats, uh, and they end up at the the, the 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 dome, Millennium Dome, before it opened or anything. And it's a fantastic sequence. It shows London really well. Um, I even soaked that annoying traffic warden who had bloke who had that show sometime in the. 90s or whatever it was that obnoxious little git um i soak him as well as one of the little in jokes but uh but i love this opening i just hate this movie i mean some of the score if i remember correctly it had quite a nice sort of score you know the whole the the dun 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 music yeah yeah it it went back to something that that was done by the guy who was in eurythmics wasn't it well no it's done by music was done by david arnold at this point Who'd re- redone the Bond tune and made it more hip and like more electro electro music type thing? What do I call it? EDM was what do I call it? Electronic dance music. Yeah. Are we are we in the era now where Born is starting to come along? I can't remember where when Born was released. Born? No, no, yeah. not yet, not yet. So, so they still got their own little niche. They've still got that, and then we end up with the world is not enough. Yeah, and but that, that, that I, I. But no matter how bad I think the world is not enough. The next one went so much lower. <laughs> uh, this is where... So, In the World is Not Enough, and um, we, we started to get the puns of, well, you know what? The world isn't enough. And you think, oh, God, please, please, writers, don't shoehorn it in. Don't do a JL. So what happens in Die Another Day in 2002? Three times, it says in the film, Die Another Day. Roll credits. <sighs> My quick trivia here is Roger Moore's daughter has a cameo as a stewardess. This is Piers Brosnan's least favourite Bond movie. I'm not surprised. Oh, and this is where we've got Holly Berry as well. Oh, again, God. again. See, this one, I enjoy the opening. I just hate the rest of the movie. It is, it is so bad. And it's such a stupid plot line as well. Like, people can basically do, like, face-off surgery. So someone... Someone can be disguised as someone else, even though they're obviously so much taller than the person <laughs> they were meant to be earlier on. In the f- and it's absolutely horrendous. It's It makes very little sense. It's got terrible CGI in it. They've got this whole winter like skiing and, and hang gliding scene in it. You can see he's on a green screen or a blue screen or whatever it was they were using at the time. It looks horrendous. And this now was the time where Bond, uh, Bourne had started to come out, films like Bourne. And now James Bond, in its current iteration, looks so dated, it was ridiculous. I've got another fact. Would you like <laughs> I to thought you might have somehow. After the virtual reality training simulation, Q remarks that Bond isn't supposed to, supposed to shoot his chief. Bond replies that if you check the video playback, you'll see it's just a flesh wound, a possible reference to John Cleese's role as the Black Knight in Monty Python in Could the be. Ground, 1975, where after losing an arm in a sword fight, he remarks, it's only a flesh wound. And the, Tis but a scratch, actually, he says, firstly. Tis but a scratch. That, and he, he sort of, you know, there's, there's subtle little nods to the audience. Uh, they, I think subtle. in the next film is... Hang on, there was a ton of it was like because this this was the um the twentieth film 
they done and it'd been going for so long there is there are props from every it was the 40th anniversary of james bond franchise there were there was at least one prop from every other preceding film in this one some from blindingly obvious some from not so much they were all in here and it 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 was a shame because it should be the crown and glory and in fact instead it was just rubbish <laughs> it made more news for its merchandising with 120 million dollars worth of mer- merchandising including aston martin vanquish J- jaguar xkr oh, yeah. nice 2003 james bond edition thunderboard ski duber bill bollinger champagne <laughs> Binlander vodka heineken beer seven up Peanuts, curvy pet bottles, Revlon Cosmetics, 007 We, we get the idea. Brownie suit tellering. We get the idea. Electronic and, uh, games. And the, the crowning glory, Madonna did the titles. I had titles. blanked that from my memory. Sorry, dude. I was dude. going to YouTube it, and I thought, I think and my she, mind has got a good blank there for a reason. And she's in it as well. And it, that was um, it. It killed, basically, this film nearly killed James Bond. But that's what they seem to do, though, isn't it? They take the franchise to the point where you've got no choice but to sort of stop and then reboot. Because Dying of the Day was 2002. So we've been going on about a year and a half, two year breaks. Mm-hmm. And again, the, so we've got Casino Royale, which is your Daniel Craig, comes out in 2006. And initially, I had mixed feelings about this, not because it was a new Bond, not because it was, they were playing it a little bit safe by sort of reusing some of the ideas before. In fact, no, I'm just conscious about it. It was, it was the fact that it didn't, it felt new, as in it was a new production. It didn't feel too much like a new film to me. Um, well, it was, I, I mean, different people would come in as producers because um, like his daughter had taken over, uh, Cubby Broccoli's daughter had taken over at this time and she was a producer and I think it was doing it with her husband as well so again like you know like 2002 when Die Another Day came out Born came out at the same time Born Identity and that just blew everyone away suddenly you didn't have you didn't have a guy who leaded who, who relied on gadgets like he could get into a fight and defend himself with a rolled up piece of like catalogue or something or a magazine I mean that was the new that was the new super spy uh, and all subsequent films that come along. So they, they had to do something. They had to do something to bring um, to bring Bond up to date. And they did what they've done in the past. They look around at what's going on and they adapt. They adapt the character and they create storylines. And Casino Royale was like everyone, no one thought that Daniel Craig was going to work as Bond because he was blonde for starters. Bond has, has always been, you know, thought of as dark-haired gentleman and and here he was bond uh and it didn't help however on his premiere his announcement to the press that he was going to be the new uk uh, great british super spy that he rocked up to <laughs> this dock on the thames uh with these like um sbs servicemen and he had like the full health and safety stuff on so so he was meant to be this action oh, star and he come up and he's, he's like given the press conference with this big yellow inflatable around him around his neck and everything so he didn't look the part he was also really chubby from a previous role that he was currently working on he wasn't in like james bond he hadn't worked himself up to fitness for james bond at that point and it was all sort of like well who is he and you know we didn't really know what was going to happen but then 
the movie drops and oh my it was like a fresh it was like it was like such fresh air compared to what we just had to put up for two previous bonds he was like he was mean he was fast he was like he was adaptive to the situation that was going on around him. One of the some the opening parkour chase at the start of Casino yes. Royal is yep. amazing. You know they had the bad the guy playing the baddie was the the best heart, uh, uh, parkour uh, guy runner there was in the world. He was the creator of it, and so you had James Bond chasing him down, and he was mean. He did think he just. If he just killed people, like if they were in his way, uh, in fact, you know, that was one of the running sort of gags, if you will, where he said, oh, Who's he killed now? Because he just didn't care, he was like unleashed. It was, it was such a fresh take on Bond, and it made it really exciting to watch again. I don't want to use the word grittier because I don't think that's oh, quite what gritty. I'm after, but it was, but it was the fact that you see Bond trying and yes. i think it's when the first time you see bond out of breath when he's running <laughs> he's like the opening scene he's trying to catch up with his parkour guy and there's a moment where he stops and he's panting a little bit and i think the parkour jo- guy just jumped from one ca- crane to another uh-huh. and you can almost see in his eyes he's going oh for <laughs> yes it's like i've got to that do that lovely that lovely bit of nuance he's like oh god here we go then and you're right it was it was a bit no nonsense. He was cold enough and calculating enough, but not to diverge from just being, oh, I'm a bad guy. I'm going to shoot someone because that's how I need to establish the fact that I'm a bad guy. I think he did really well with the character. I mean, even Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, they gave him about 95% on this one. And it was it was good because he hadn't earned his 007 license to kill status yet. It was starting off at, literally at the start. Um, so it was it was really good and and the, almost straight away they threw it away almost straight away they threw it all away it's unbelievable well the, this film was the start of i think the first time they'd done an arc an arc yeah for a set of films so this is bringing us on to quantum of solace which was again two years and this is the first james bond film that is considered to be uh, a direct sequel and yep. it had the biggest budget um so uh, yeah so far my very quick trivia on this is the there's a nice little throwback to goldfinger when agent strawberry fields where did they get these names from <laughs> christmas jones that's what i'm saying straight away they went back to the nonsense which is a shame because they could have just held on yeah like born had a few nice touching silly scenes but never dropped a thing and she's found dead covered in oil which yep. is obviously a, a, a cast back to goldfinger and it's also the second consecutive bond film with bonds being alone without a leading bond girl with him necking off with him in a boat and some sorts of nonsense no he's got a, he's got he's got um a sidekick shall we say in it not at the end not at the end no, you know, well, so ah, we haven't addressed this. Like for the first sort of twenty odd years. Oh, sorry, I see Bond what you're saying. Up with a bird, yeah, didn't yeah. it? I know what you're saying. Um, no, I, I don't think so. But this, this storyline is the most convoluted storyline. I still cannot tell you what the title of this film means. Quantum of Solace. What on earth does that mean? And I, I don't see if you watch it. I still don't see how you can tell me what it means. What? You're right, because in my head, a quantum of solace means he wants just a small bit of peace and quiet in his world where he's not got <laughs> a... You know, that's got nothing to do with the film. 
No, it, yeah, you're right. But I think it's right near the end. Well, Quantum is the organization that is obviously the stand-in for Spectre because they couldn't use Spectre because they didn't own the rights to Spectre at this point. Uh, I, I think right now I might have missed the whole point of this film. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's such a convoluted... All it is is about water. It's about retaining water and, and things like this, and oil fields and stuff like this. So, But it's such a weird film. It's so convoluted. Um there's a nice like plane chase sequence in it, but it's it's getting very it's very ridiculous again straight away. So they've taken all that time with the previous film to get Bond back down to the born sort of level to make him really adaptive, to make him really far. This one as well is shot or edited, I should say, more than shot terribly. I cannot tell you what is going on. There's an opening car chase sequence where it's like cut, 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 cut. Cut, 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 cut. You think, what's going on? It may, it gives you a headache as you watch it. It is definitely a jump cut movie. Mm. And then, so they'll, they'll be talking, I think, in a car park. And then the next shot is they've got a long sweeping shot of the vista of the Sahara. And you're thinking, okay, oh, blimey. So <laughs> you want to take this from mid-afternoon. And then, oh, hang on. There's, there's no... It doesn't take time to breathe. No. And I think we, we hit that era in a lot of movies where... You've got to go, 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 go. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Because if you think about it, you'll go, actually, well, how and it's, why? It's a weird... So they've got an you know, opening chase at the start where Bond's chasing some guy who's tried to assassinate M. And as they're, as they're chasing, as they're running through the, the town that they're in, it's, in, it's intercutting with this horse race that's going on. And you think, well, at some point, obviously they're doing that for a reason at some point they're going to get involved in in the horse race or something's going to happen and they're like and it's cutting backwards and forwards cutting backwards and forwards okay and then it, it gets it gets to the bit where they emerge into the area where the horse race is going on he shoots someone like bystander to try to create a distraction and then just runs away and that's it the horse and then they just show the horse race finishing you think well, what the hell has got got to do with that? I mean, you could look at it as symbolism. It's the chase. It's the it's the, you know they're they're tracing each other, each other, and you got the horses chasing each other, and you got the bad guys and the good guys chasing. But no, that's pretty weak symbolism. If that's the case, this is the one with the the house at the end that falls into the water. If I remember correctly, no, it gets blown up. It's it, a, so it goes it, up. It, it looks like he's going to die in a fire. And he has, because uh, they're in the middle of a desert, and there's this hotel, there's this luxury resort in the middle of the desert. Oh, yes, and this is the one where he gives the uh, the, the guy from Quantum slash Spectre, uh, he drops him off in the middle of the desert with a, with a can of oil. Oh, that's it. And they go, oh, I found him in the desert. With, and they, they, they had to pump out oil from his... Well, I didn't pump out, I, I found a load of oil. So that means at some point he actually drank the oil, or, they made, or the other bad guys made him drink it. It was kind of like left... Yeah, I can't imagine he would have drunk it himself. That would no, be but that's the thing. So, stupid. like, you're thinking, really, would they really have made him do that? Yeah, exactly. Would they just not have tortured him just, first to find yeah. out what he knew? Exactly. Anyway, so, Ugh. but at least the uh, next one, I mean, the next one is an incredible ramp up in quality compared to the previous one. So the well, next one, Skyfall. was a big improvement. Yeah, well, Skyfall was the next one in 2012. Uh, this is where Sam Mendes, Mendes t- t- takes over. And this one is great because 
it's kind of you can understand what's going on. It's a it's a story about revenge. It's another you get the idea. It's a, it's another person uh, from M's past who sort of was James Bond's role. Uh, she uh, and he thinks he thinks she double crossed him, so she he starts trying to get his revenge on on M, and Bond gets in the middle of it, and it all goes horribly wrong for for one of them. <laughs> it is a good revenge flick. And the way it's paced as well, because you've got, oh, what's going on here? A couple of bombs and, you know, or, you know, your daily spy shenanigans. And then it gets unraveled and more unraveled. You, you feel the sense of panic and the sense of, oh, there's something big going on here. Mm. And it, it, it and again, it's, it's brought back down to word. It's shot in some good locations and it's actually well paced. There's some good dialogue here as well. It doesn't feel cheesy it doesn't feel like they've had to sort of they've i think daniel craig is saying he and he likes to work with films now where the plot has been fleshed out which i think is what happened with the previous film they were writing it on the film i could be i could be wrong on that (laughs) i'm surprised they wrote anything for that one they just threw things in the air and saw what stuck or didn't but again uh, now they've said the, the main character i can picture some pivotal moments like when they're on London Bridge and they turn around and they see a whopping great big building blowing up. Mm. And you're thinking, all right, CG was a little bit clunky, but you think, blimmin' heck. It, it <laughs> has know, that lovely bit the, of plausibility. That is MI6 actual building in London. Right? It's, it, they don't say officially anywhere, but it is. Okay, And I used to work down the road from there. And I remember one time, I had one time I was coming across like Vauxhall and this is massive complicated like traffic system at Vauxhall and I was in my my Saab at the time and I, I, I went across the lights and there was this like bang and my car just rolled to a stop right outside MI6's entrance main entrance and I couldn't move and they took very they took a particular interest in me while I was sta- and I said, I've broken down. There's nothing I can do. I've called someone and I've got to wait for them to come. But all the time, the security cameras were on me and stuff. It was like a bit of a nightmare because I couldn't go anywhere. And it was like the car, I couldn't push it. It was like locked. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do here? So I thought, they, they're going to think I'm a flipping terrorist. <laughs> oh, Lord. So what, what, what was wrong with the Saab? I don't know. Apparently, the guy turned up. He, he he got some little grommet thing, put it in, and it worked fine again. So I have no idea what was going. I mean, don't ask me about cars. I I know. I push the pedal down, they go. That's all I know. But can't, can't uh, be a good old van. So this is one of my favourite films. There's just two things in it that that annoy me or frustrate me. Um, and I can't remember what the second one was. I had it there before I told that other story. But one of them is where he goes into this room full of like servers, but you can still hear people talking. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you go into a server room, you normally have to wear earplugs because it's so flipping loud. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, so I was the other thing. I had another thing in this film that always bugs me when I watch it, and I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. Damn it. Would you like me to fill with my interesting facts while you recall your your anecdote? So this is the first James Bond movie where M or any top-ranking MI6 official dies on screen. It's also the first James Bond movie where the the franchise traditional Bond car and Aston Martin is blown up. And it's also (sighs) the first Daniel Craig James Bond movie where Bond kills the lead villain. I've got one more. Um, 
Oh, God, how do you say that word? Severine, is that right? Is the eighth Bond girl in the official franchise to be killed by the main Bond villain after falling for the charms of James Bond and then betraying the villain? Nice. I cannot, I cannot for the life of me remember what the second thing that annoys me. Oh, no, that's so bad. I bet as soon as I stop recording, it's going to come back to me. Splice it in. Oh, dear. Anyway. So then we come to, that brings us virtually right up to date with the most recent released film, which is called Spectre. And I kind the of, film I watched. That did not help me during my time of depression because Sam Smith with the <laughs> most arm-slittingly depressing song writing on the wall. And everyone raved about this. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm going, no. It's just bloody miserable. There was nothing spec him and Billie Eilish should have a competition to see he could be the most miserable soul. <laughs> I just remember what it was. Go on. So it's right at the start, and that is when, when Bond gets shot off the train and he falls off this this the viaduct into some water and it just ends like, Oh, that's it, that's the end. That Bond's dead. Of course he's not. He appears like set moments later. But my point is if you fall from that height into water, you're going to splat anyway because water is still really painful to land on from height. And you can note, you notice, just do a belly flop from the very side of the pool onto water. Unless you break up the tension, water tension, falling into water can kill you, which is why people die from like jumping off London Bridge and stuff like this, you know? It's, it's just always annoys me, that's all. There's a film that I watched on Netflix that's got Nicolas Cage and not the man who's Samuel Jackson, Lawrence Fishburne. And there's a very similar scene to that where he's pushed off a cliff, you think he's dead, and then he sort of comes back in in the later scene like with some really pokey sort of bandages wrapped around him. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so getting back to Spectre. So the court, the, all the legal problems have gone away now. So now the, the producers of James Bond have the rights to use not only Spectre, but Ernest Stafford Blofeld as well. So they can now have everything that used to be James Bond back into the storyline. So they don't have to worry about this, 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 this quantum nonsense. They can actually use the title Spectre is now a real thing and it's been controlling supposedly Bond's issues behind the scenes all this time and it was really Ernest Stafford Blofeld of course they did the, they did something though that I didn't really like because Austin Powers had done it already where they made out Austin Powers and Dr. Evil were brothers and this is what they did in this film although they're not biological brothers it's like he came into the family uh, as as an orphan so but still, oh, the, the old adopted orphan yeah. turned into evil stepbrother. Exactly, and it just no, because all I'm watching it, and they're watching the reveal, and I'm thinking, that's Austin Powers. <laughs> and for the last couple of films as well, you know, Austin Powers had been making this bit of an impact. So I think there was a, there was a little bit of a nod to this as well. I think in one of the scenes, if you look really carefully, you will actually see a cat going across the background. Although apparently that counts as trivia these days. Well, no, that's, well, I don't know, is it? Because that's the point. He has a cat. That's what Ernest Stafford, that was his thing. Before we knew who he was, before Donald Pleasance played the character, the character was only seen in shadow, stroking, I'm going to say cat. I wanted to say another word there, but, but, <laughs> but you know, stroking the cat. That was, that was, that was that 
that was the callback. It was the callback to the old James Bond films, not to Austin Powers. Mick, anyway, with- it was not Mr. Bigglesworth or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, dear. And I think this is where M uh, went from being Judy Dench back to being a sexist, misogynist pig of a Well, man. no, Ralph Fiennes. No, 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 no. If it was a man now in... See, there, there's a bit of post, pre-post-feminism. Uh, normally, women replace a man, but now a man's replaced a woman. What does that say about the woke movement? <laughs> well, we're going to find out, because um, although it was, it was a, a fairly popular film, uh, Spectre, it didn't do as well as, as the previous one, Skyfall. But now we are going to get the very next James Bond film is No Time to Die, and it was going to come out this month. But because of the virus, the coronavirus, it's now been pushed back to November, I think. So we're now going to have to wait and see what this new take on James Bond is. And, of course, there is a lot of uh, uproar about it because it looked it, a part of the initial um, press launch for this stuff is Will's going to get um, a young a young black woman supposedly taking over from James Bond. It's obviously it's obvious what's happening. It all it is is he's apparently retired. The James Bond character's retired, and so he he would they have to give up their double O number when that happens. So if she's now his replacement, she's double O seven, but. But that's not the same thing. It doesn't mean she's James Bond. It just means she's 007. It's just a code number. It doesn't mean anything. So obviously something happens that calls, I think Felix Leiter gets onto him and calls him out of retirement to help him with something. Then he gets he gets taken back into MI6 and they obviously find out the status and everything's going on. So it'll be interesting to see how they now deal with the movie in this woke generation. But I, I, if, I again, if they really do sort of like mess with the formula that has made James Bond what it is for the last God knows how many years now. Um, when's this coming out? 2020? When was the first one? First one was all the way back in 1962. So if they want to really mess around with something that's been going on for like 60, almost 60 years, then okay, that's up to them. But if if they do it well, it'll pay off. If they just do it, the, the likes of Terminator has done it, Ghostbusters has done it. Uh, uh, Charlie's Angels recently completely bombed. If they want to go that route, fine. I know I don't own these properties. I'm just a fan. And if you want to push the fans away, more power to you if you think that's going to earn you money. It might earn you woke points with your your friends in Hollywood, but the rest of the world couldn't give a monkeys at this point in time. So Charlie's Angels didn't fa- didn't fail. You just didn't understand it. <laughs> That's what they're going to say. This, it doesn't matter. Uh, but that's, that's the point. I don't care what they say. It just washes straight over me now. They, I don't. If they want to play that game, that's fine. Do you know what? I've got so much other content I've still got to watch and catch up with. I don't care. The fact is, if, if they do these things, like now, I just, I just do not consider the, getting back to Star Wars, briefly, I swear to God, briefly, I do not consider that canon. So it never affects me now. I just look at it and go, okay, it ended at Return of the Jedi. Done. I don't need to ever and, and watch those three movies pushing again. pushing the thing about, here's a book, here's a news story, here's a yep. bit of comic book lore to exactly. try and justify exactly. the film. Yes. With no, with no time to die, I just remembered another Star Wars moment where Pickles goes, um, Star Luke Wars? Picard. <laughs> Star Trek. No, Star Trek. And he goes, um, Picard. 
John Luke, and then Bond goes Bond, James Bond. And what I'm finding about this is that there is there. So what I've read on that their internet is that this has had a bit of troubled pre-production. Danny Boyle is departed mm-hmm. over creative differences with Daniel Craig and their producers. Danny Boyle is normally fairly spot on for films. He's got quite a good eye. He's had a few sort of um, uh, blowbacks. This was supposed to be released in October 2019. Now it's April 2020. And apparently the script is completely being rewritten by committee well into shooting. Well, sorry, the script is being rewritten by committee well into shooting in what one anonymous source described as a well-polished <clears throat> show. Mm. Also, you've got Craig well, injuring his ankle in Jamaica. There's oh, been he, fights with the director. He's always injuring himself in his films. There's not one film he's done where he hasn't injured himself. The whole film by committee worries me, but I think we're going to be okay on this because if it had been that bad, I'm pretty sure we would have had the, the uh, was it like the, the Dr. Doomcock, the Midnight Overlords, having a hell of a lot more... <laughs> stuff on youtube and i haven't heard a lot about the the production troubles on youtube i know that doesn't mean anything but normally if there's something juicy and there's leakers there's new to be made it would normally start appearing about now yeah i mean the producer the current producer of 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 um james bond has said and she's a female uh i can't was barbara broccoli I'm, i'm not sure but she's come out and said to the wrath of many an sjw that james bond will never be female because that's that's not who he is he, literally he's he's james bond so um and she got quite a bit of stick for that which is weird when you think about it but there you uh, go. that's a that's a conversation conversation we could go into we, but we'll do Hoddy, when it comes out in november what is gonna what i wonder what is gonna happen to all the cinema releases because we we have got in our show notes we in episode one i think we were gonna break down have you heard of this film are you going to see it feature that didn't make it any past episode one but it is down in the show notes i sort of wonder now with the coronavirus uh what will happen to these films well, it's a good job we've got Netflix and Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they, they are going to have to look at their release schedule and see if it's worth releasing. I mean, i I got to be honest, most films I go to now, when I go to the cinema, I sit there in a virtually empty cinema anyway. So I don't know. I don't know how much that changes things. Um, like I said, we've got enough to watch on Netflix and Prime and Disney Plus soon as well in the UK. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, I, again, I never find it. I always find it interesting the way these these movie companies uh, are promoting their 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 uh, their art at the moment because I don't think the movie companies themselves are the problem. It's this it's this um, media that surrounds movies. This like internet media bubble where people are taking their agendas and applying it to certain films and. Because we live in a situation where nobody wants to be cancelled, these people have all the power at the moment. Even if you look at their representation on Twitter, it's minuscule. It's like 2% of Twitter users are these idiots that go on about, oh, we must have this, we must have that. right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't have these things. You just don't have to ram it down people's throats because most normal people understand that people need to be represented and stuff like this. It's just these crazy, crazy people are, are on social media at the moment and they've got the voice because they know if they play up, they'll get people cancelled. But the people on the other side of the fence don't care. They'll just go, oh, I don't like it, and go on. They'll go on about their lives. But these other people will 
dig through people's Twitter feeds to find out something they said eight years ago and use that to cancel them. That's That must be terrifying to people in the entertainment industry. So I can understand why they cow down and bow to these people. But they have to realize someone eventually, when enough dollars and pounds have been wasted on this nonsense, that they're going to wake up and say, well, hang on a minute. This, these, these, these companies, these studios that purposely go against that stuff are making all the money. What on earth are we wasting our time for listening to these people? We want to make money. And that's where things will start to change. And it's already starting to change. Stupidly with Sonic the Hedgehog, of all things. But things are starting to change. That was good. I know, but it's the fact that when it came out as a trailer, all the supposedly in quotes, entitled audience moaned about the fact that Sonic doesn't look like Sonic. So they went oh, away. I was with them. They I went was away. With exactly. Them on that. They went away. They fixed it to what the audience wanted. They came back. That led to a piece in the BBC on the BBC website saying how entitled are movie moviegoers these days. Ridiculous. You're the artist. If you're if you're creating art, that's one thing. If you're cr- if you're creating uh, movies that are the equivalent of McDonald's, no, you can't create something like vegetable salad thing. You have to create McDonald's hamburger because that's what we want to consume in that there is no, yeah, genre. Sorry, there is no way that they could have ever, ever, ever released that film in its original no, it incarnation. Yeah, and and hope what well, you know they might do. They might do it as um uh, like a, a Blu-ray special release. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Which, turns which out far along they go. Right there, really. But I, I'm just saying, I, I've seen a few glimmers of like hope now uh, on the horizon for various things. So you know, we'll see. We'll see if it pays off. And if it doesn't pay off, if they still want to go down this road, we're saying, oh, look at us, we're such victims. Then great. I've got a ton. I've got, I've got, I've got like eighty years of movies and TV shows that I've still got to catch up on. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It ain't going to affect me. But uh, keep pouring your money into these projects that no one wants to see. And I think that's it for us this week. I'm just going to say, I don't know what's going on with movies, but every time I'm on YouTube, I see one advert and one advert only, and that's for Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. Even Even though I go, no, I think I've seen this advert enough, Mr. Google and Mr. YouTube. Stop showing me it, but no. No, no, no. So we we got a review, Mark. Did you? See? I know you know because I've, I've I sent you it. But uh, we finally we finally got a review. So our first our first review. So that's fantastic. And this is from the wonderful Teresa. Mark, do you want to read our review? A fun rampage through TV and film. Five stars. Awesome. First review. Five stars. I start this by saying I watch very little TV and only a few movies per year. That's exactly our target demographic. That <laughs> examples. I've not seen the last two Star Wars movies, The Mandalorian or Pickles. Just a few of the shows covered so far. That being said, Carl and Mark keep me laughing during my long commutes with their take on our viewing entertainment. Spoiler alert: These are there are spoilers as they dissect the show, so don't listen until you've seen it. If that's the subject. If you have seen the show or don't plan on it, then this is a great hour or so of entertainment. <laughs> it's not bad considering we're supposed to be aiming for half an hour shows. No, I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, we've got even longer today, but I wanted to get this done and out of the way. So thank you very much for that, Teresa. That's greatly appreciated. 
And if you want to send us a review as well, please just head on over to one of your Apple podcasts. And I know, actually, I know the Apple platform is the most popular platform to listen to the show on because I get the stats. So if you want to head on over to Apple Podcasts and give some stars, write a review. Again, we just love to read it out on the show if you do. And of course, we are on the Twitter at watching underscore men. We'd like your feedback there as well. If there's a show you want us to have a look at or a movie that you think might be a little bit different, then drop us a line and I will do my very, very best to take a gander at it. Now he says that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but I want to point out a stress again. I have nothing to do with the Twitter account. That's bad. down to Mark. So if you've sent anything and he's not read it out, don't play, complain to me. It's down to Mark. Well, hang on. Hang on. Right. Let's go through this very quickly then. Uh, well, for example, I got a tweet from Renew Anne with an E at Watching Men. Anne with an E. Hashtag Renew Anne with an E. I'm assuming that's a show. Storm Gorelli uh, said that the best thing I'm Hang on. Are you sure? That might be a typo of maybe they're pointing out a typo I've done when I've done the description or something. I don't know. Storm Gorelli uh, points out quite correctly that The Expanse is the best thing on Amazon Prime. I've tried to get into Treadstone, or no, what is it? Jack Ryan couldn't get into that. We have Serenak from The Essential Apple Show uh, trying to argue a point about a £70 girl can suddenly turn into the Hulk. We did that uh, one. Nibs said that I'm old. We, I made a joke about, um, there's a joke there about WordPress, but no one's going to get that. Neil found our RSS feed. Vertshark is asking for a promo. And that's it. There's no more feedback. Oh, and oh, hang on. Is that Nigel? Nine days ago, Nigel Paris. Good job, Carl. You've exercised, you've exercised your arm very well. <laughs> I think what the hell was that reference to? Your... to? I have, though. I think... That's well done. I have exercised my arm a lot recently. I think, I think that was in reference to our lovely, lovely uh, annual so, meetup. So all that was... Festival. All that was you saying there's been no feedback. Not in the last nine days. <laughs> I mean, anyway. I mean, if I've got to keep it chronological, bloody hell. We'll, we'll be back soon. If you want to send us a message via Twitter, good luck. But <laughs> so that, that's it from us, at least this week. And we got James Bond out of the way. Thank God we can talk about something else from now on moving forward. Um, if you want to, like Mark says, you want us to watch something and critique it, critique it please. Send it over to Mark, and I'll see if he tells me about it. <laughs> but until if next it, time. If it's, if it's a series, I'll give it three shows. You've yes. got three to impress. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, that's it from us. So we'll be back next week when we go on more nonsense about uh, movies and TV shows. So until then, please stay safe uh, and enjoy yourself. Bye. Be seeing you.